Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, yeah, yeah, so you, know. you were you were inducted into the Bradfoe Show Hall of Fame. The Bradfoe Show, of course, was the Red Sox-centric podcast I did for years. You came on multiple times, um, and so you were inducted into that. And then I'm carrying it over to being inducted into the Baseball as in Boring Hall of Fame because you've proven yourself. It's like It's like being – put it this way, Daniel – it's like you're inducted into a AAA team's Hall of Fame. You you know what it takes to be in a Hall of Fame. Now you're in the Major Leaguers Hall of Fame. Congratulations. A lot of a lot of responsibility. A lot of Hall of Fame. Like have you ever I may have asked you, have you are you in another are you in like your high school Hall of Fame at all or anything? I don't think so. What? Not not that I know of. <laughs> I should probably know about that. Uh, we get Steph Curry went to my high school after me, so you know that kind of makes anyone else look like a failure uh, from a s- athletics perspective. So I think they forgot about me at when I, he came I, through. I totally forget that story. Can you tell me a good Steph Curry story again? I feel like you ha- that you had a good one. I'm trying to think. He was friends with one of my brothers. Um, about he, I think he's three years younger than me. I don't know if I have a good story about him per se. His dad, Dell, came out and watched one of my bullpens my senior year. Um, he he came out just like he he just wanted. He played baseball at Virginia Tech, I think. Dell did. His dad. Wow. And so, I believe so. Maybe maybe fact check that, but I'm pretty sure he played baseball and basketball. And he said he baseball was always his first love. And he's like, I couldn't get any of my sons into it. And, you know, I knew his kids were, but they weren't, I think his staff was like a freshman at the time. And, um, 
because I couldn't get my boys into baseball. They just wanted to do basketball, and, you know, it worked out. And you and Steph, of course, is a baseball fan because I know he had his bachelor party at Fenway Park. Um, yeah. You were there You were there for that, right? You were – you, yeah. Yeah, he, he came up to me like they were on the field for batting practice, and he came up. I never – I mean, besides like crossing paths in the hallways, maybe when he was a freshman, I was a senior – I don't think I'd really ever interacted with him. Uh, but he was, like I said, he was, I knew he'd become friends with one of my, uh, my brother, Jared. Uh, they were the same class. And, uh, yeah, he, he like called me over, you know, coming off the field after BP. And, um, he was not the Steph Curry that we know now. This was like 2009, probably. It's probably my yeah. rookie year. Yeah. There's a photo of so it. He, yeah. He had maybe like a year in the league and, you know, he, he was more known for his Davidson stuff at that point. Um, you know, br- bringing a small school to the final four or elite eight, one of the two. And um, yeah, I just went over and it's funny because he was just hanging out with all his high school buddies for his bachelor party. And they all, they um, all had t-shirts. They all had t-shirts made up with their nicknames on the back. And there was, okay. a, there, there was a, I think a player, a teammate of his at Davidson from Maine, so there's kids walking around the Fenway field with a t-shirt that says white lobster on the back. <laughs> yeah. you see, so you remember more than I do, but um, yeah. yeah, that might be my last interaction with him. Honestly, um, he kind of, he's, he's, he went out of my stratosphere shortly after that. So, well, listen, it, it's a circle of life because a couple things, number one, you are, it, whatever honor you've had, you're about to have a bigger honor. Um, and whatever publicity or, or buzz that, that Steph Curry has gotten, you're about to have bigger buzz. Because, Daniel, we have a big announcement, correct? Let's go. We do. <laughs> All right, let's we go. Do. All right. Um, I, I mean, I, you go ahead. Go ahead. You go. go oh, ahead. I'm leading off. Um, no, I mean, yeah, it's, so. it's your – it's your, it's your, I, want, I don't want to <laughs> put words in your mouth. Like, for literally – for the next for the next X amount of months, I do not want to put words in your mouth, and I don't want to start now. So go ahead. That's good. So uh, yeah, Rob and I are going to be writing a book together. Um, something we started talking about maybe a year ago. You know, it kind of came up in some conversations. Uh, he brought up, "Hey, if you ever if you ever want to write something, let me know. I'd love to love to be a part of it." And just kind of time felt right. Um, you know, getting toward the last year or two of my career and um, kind of want to get some things down on paper before, uh, while it's fresh in my head a little bit. Um, and yeah, Rob just seemed like the perfect guy to do it. I've known him since uh, my rookie year, 2009. Uh, he's been a, in a front row seat for a lot of my journey um, through the Boston days. And then we stayed in touch the two years I retired. I think he, you were the one that announced my first retirement um back in 2018 so or 2017 so and then we just stayed in touch through the years and and uh you know there's there's not many boston media writer types that i would fully trust with a job like this so uh yeah i read joe's book joe kelly's book last year um that y'all did and you know just it just had the right feel to it um something that that i wanted you know, to make my book relatable, you know, make it uh, something that baseball fans can enjoy, but something hopefully um, the general public can can get something out of as well. 
Well, thank you, first of all. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to say this is that it's, it's talking to you, like even the times that we've talked to begin the process, every time I talk to you, and, and this sort of goes back to the pod, doing podcasts with you or the conversations about stuff that you've gone through, is that I come away and earmuffs if you don't want i'm gonna pump up your tires but i come away inspired and that's sort of like what when when we talked about doing this and i think we're both on the same page it was yeah you know you have a really interesting baseball journey but as you pointed out to me you know through your journey through your ups and downs through your things that you've overcome um that this this leaks into everybody a lot of people other athletes other sports, other walks of life. And I thought that at the beginning, but talking through some of the stuff that we've already talked through, I- I've never been more convinced of that. And and I don't know, like, if 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 you like, – I know that that was one of your motivations. Like, you genuinely want to help people, I think, right? I, again, not well, – I don't want to put yeah. – Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's true. I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like if I just let my career end and – you know, kind of disappeared, which is something I, maybe my personality is more tend to do. Um, I'd kind of be, it'd kind of be a selfish move and kind of uh, doing a disservice and kind of wasting the things that not saying I have all the answers. I definitely don't, but um, I've just coming through the journey I've had having my career end due to the yips and then being able to take that path and come back and actually have a, a success story. Um, of someone who's dealt with that, you know, it's, it's, I just, I didn't have that when I was going through it. I looked for it. I looked for similar things in other sports where someone battled through, um, kind of those mental things that a lot of athletes go through and come out the other side, um, better than before. And I just couldn't, I didn't, couldn't find it, you know, I'm sure it's out there. So I just, I kind of feel like it's my responsibility to tell my story and just, I just want to give people, who are going through something tough and kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, give them hope that like, you know, there can be good things after going through some, some really hard stuff too. Um, you know, and I, the, the more I've told my story and, you know, it's been told a few times in different articles, publications, and they've all done a really good job, but you know, it's never been from my completely from my perspective, um, with the details that are important to me, um, my family, my wife, you know, there's just some things that there's some depth to the story that I haven't shared yet. Um, so I don't want to say too much, but I, you know, I'm excited to do it. It's going to be um, a hard process, I think, at times. You know, just <laughs> reliving some things, and um, but I, yeah, it's not always the fun part. But I do think it's necessary. You know, I, like I told you, Rob, the other day is like talking through some of those those hard moments. We were going through the WBC last year. Uh, that experience and talking through it, it's not something you're like, Hey, let's go talk about one of the hardest days of my career. Let's dig into it. But when, once I do it, it's kind of, it's kind of therapeutic in a way, you know, you you kind of, um, you know, without laying down on a couch and spilling all my feelings, you know, it's, it's the closest thing to therapy uh, that you can do for something like that. You know, it's, it just kind of helps get it out on the table you kind of see it through a different lens, you know, once you're a little bit removed from it. So uh, I'm excited to to dive into it over the next year and uh, 
you know, excited to see what comes out of it. Yeah. So, you know, again, this isn't spoiler alert or anything or spoiling anything, but, you know, an example that, and I, and, and, and I think I've said to you, even in our conversations here, and maybe I've said this in the podcast too, is that, Hey, listen, if you don't want to talk about this, I get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 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 But, you know, when we, when we dove into the Venezuela game last year, uh, WBC game, and you had said you and you were remembering a lot, but you said that you never had watched it back, and and that was part of this, right? You had to watch it back, which is yeah. I get that. I don't want to if I have a if I have a moment, I don't. I know this is very 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 similar. I mean, it's almost scary how similar this is. But when my high school basketball team loses, I don't want to watch the tape, right? Yeah. So. But you, but you force yourself to, and I don't know, like, and even when you, when you did that, as you were going, was it hard to do? And then it got easier. And then by the end of it, like, oh, all right. I saw things that I didn't remember or things like, you know what I'm saying? Which I think for everybody, it's, it's yeah. probably a, a good thing to power through in any walk of life. Yeah. I mean, that, anytime you have a hard moment in your life, it, usually it's not on video, you know? in sports we're kind of in a unique spot where it's everything's televised and it's recorded and you have a chance to go back and you watch the really really good stuff you've done but you can also watch the really terrible stuff you've you've done and the stuff you've had to endure so uh, no, i know i probably wouldn't have gone back and watched it you know right at this point in time you know being still you know at the still playing still you know um still actively having a career it's a but like i said i went through it i did it and kind of took some notes kind of just viewed it as like hey let me let me not necessarily relive it but let's just watch it from like an outsider's perspective you know what were what were what was everybody else watching on tv mm. um and it, oddly enough look it was bad like it was the numbers were bad but i was like i kind of forgot that i had almost gotten out of the outing <laughs> gotten out of the innings sorry um it wasn't good. Like I said, it wasn't pretty. But at one point, I had a guy 0-2. It made a good pitch. Could have gotten a double play. It didn't happen. We didn't get any outs. But, like, I just chalked it up to, like, every – you know, the way I look back on it, it's just, like, every pitch was terrible. And that wasn't true. You know, there were some bad ones mixed in, and there was walks and a, you know, hit batter. But it was bad. But it wasn't uh, – it almost – I had made it worse in my head than it actually was. Um and that's just kind of how our, our brains work at times. I think, you know, you, you make things worse, you make them better, compartmentalize, block things out. Um, I blocked a lot of it out, apparently. But that's, well, you know, I, I don't, that doesn't surprise me. But, you know, conversely, it's also, you know, we've talked about good moments. And, and one of the moments that I, I, we haven't done a podcast since you were at Fenway last year, um, but you know, I, I saw you when you came back to Fenway last year. You pitched well at Fenway, and and you're you know you're you figured things out, and now you're you know you're back to being dominant Daniel Bard relief pitcher. But there was a couple moments where I didn't realize I don't think how impactful it was, and maybe maybe you did or didn't. Um, number one was just being at Fenway and pitching well at Fenway and seeing your family at Fenway, um, walking back to the hotel with your family at Fenway, 
the circle of life, you know, all of that. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was, I didn't really, yeah. I, you know, I saw you hanging out at Fenway. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is great. We talked, but I didn't realize, you know, what a moment that was. Yeah, it was, it was pretty deep. I think just cause the, you know, we, we've talked about the sim, kind of this, this, the symbolism of that, of that place for my career, you know, um, having you know, started my career there and had some, had some really good years and Fenway is not a place that you spend any time in and then you forget about it. You know, even a casual baseball fan that goes to a game there is going to remember it, you know, for the rest of their life. It's just an atmosphere that's different and you can almost feel the history in the place. And then, you know, being lucky enough to play there for a few years, uh, it sticks out. And, and so that was something that I didn't fully appreciate till like after it was kind of taken away, you know, and then there was the whole decade where I didn't play there at all. I didn't even step foot in the, Literally in the, a decade, in the stadium. Like, almost exactly a decade. For, yeah. yeah. 2013 to, to 2023. So, um, yeah, full decade and step foot in the place. I had been back to Boston for a couple different things, um, not related to baseball. So, I, but, uh, that was the first time I'd been back in the ballpark. So it, it was cool. And then to pitch twice. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Uh, get two wins. Have my family there. Have my kids there who weren't weren't even born when I played there the first time. Like, just a lot of, uh, I mean, so many layers to it, you know. Mm. You have to read in the book to get yeah, all the layers. Excellent. You're, you're, you're very good. <laughs> you're very good at the tease. See, you've, you've already passed the test. 
Uh, and the last thing I'll say, you know, about sort of this whole thing is that is another moment. And this is the reason I bring this up is because it comes back to the impact that you're going to have on people. And I genuinely believe this is going to impact a lot of people and it should, but you know, we mentioned Julian McWilliams of the Boston globe. who we did a conversation with and Julian has been on the podcast has co-hosted. Uh, he actually hosted the podcast just the other day. Um, and he had the yips, his college career ended with the yips he, and after talking to you at Fenway, um, he said it was one of the highlights of his professional career. And and some again, I I said, hey, you got to talk to this guy, and that's cool. You know, it's great. And you were, but you never know. Like, I don't think people understand. <laughs> again, the impact. So yeah, I mean, I there's just so many people out there that are struggling with something, you know, it might be the yips. There's, I don't think that's a huge percentage of the population, but I totally unexpectedly, like the more times my story kind of got told and was out there. I mean, I've had people come up and tell me they related it to their, you know, just different, way different struggles than baseball, um, which I never would have expected or, you know, couldn't even have made the link on some of these things. And so, you know, I just felt like it was a good thing to put more of it out there and, and put it out in my own words and and um, let people draw what they want from it, you know. Hmm. And But the only contractual obligation is that, which I also had with Joe Kelly, is that uh, you have to say no shit after every second sentence. So, like Joe, <laughs> like he did with, with the it. commissioner. No shit! <laughs> so... It, it loosens things good. up. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, there you go. Uh, all right. Well, I look forward. It's been fun so far. It'll be fun. And so there you go. That We we mastered the art of the tease. Uh, we're great at this publicity thing. Oh, my goodness. Like it, People should write books about how we market this. Um, all right. The other thing I wanted Absolutely. to talk Yeah, I, th- I think I wanted to talk to you about is the uh, – as we head into – your. What is it? So when do you go down? When do you go to Arizona? Twelve got days. About two weeks. Uh, two weeks. Yeah, I think pitchers catchers are the fourteenth. Okay, best shape of our live season. Um, you know it. <laughs> it was, how it so take me. Through, this is another instructional moment for for all these young players, older players, whatever it is. It used to be uh, the chain smoking. Uh, 300 pound first baseman showing up in the rubber suit and running around Florida. So don't worry about it. I'll get in shape. Uh, it's now it's flipped to maybe the other extreme. How do you, as a, as a major league baseball player, as we turn into February here, how do you feel? What's like, what's the vibe? Is it, is it legitimately February? Okay. Is the month where we start playing baseball again and it feels different. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, I always say like once once the calendar turns, January first hits. Uh, you you know, there's about six weeks left till you got to report. It feels like it goes by in about two every year. Like it gets faster every year. Um, that six weeks just gets shorter. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, it's just trying to get ready. You know, I'm trying to get healthy as well. I finished the year on the IL with with a little elbow issue, so spent the off season rehabbing that and. Um, just kind of building back up. So I'm a little, a little behind where I'd normally be. Um, you know, I'm 
just like I said, mainly focused on being healthy and uh, see where we're at. But it's it's always exciting, you know, showing up, seeing the guys you haven't seen in a few months that you're about to spend every day with for the next seven months. Um, that's always fun, you know. How how are you? How do you feel? You feel good, strong like bull. Feel good, yeah. Stretched out. Just uh, haven't gotten them off a of mound yet. Which normally I'd be off a of mound, you know, like early early December. Um, started getting off a of mound, so I'm I'm behind in that regard. But um, stretched out, 120 feet, long toss, feels good. Um, just taking it taking it a day at a time and try to enjoy it. You know, it's good spring training. I love spring training, Dale. Like I do. Because I think it's just, it's just, people are just more relaxed. You know, there's more time. You guys are taking off at noon or whatever you are. You know, it's the days are done, especially when there's no games early on. Um, and there's always good stories. I remember the Mookie driving a golf cart into a lake. Um, I remember, you know, I used to play golf. The only time I ever played golf at spring training do you, have, do you ever play? Do you do you golf at spring training? Some years I have. It depends on you know if the family's there and how my body feels and all that stuff. But uh, sometimes I will, yeah. Okay. So the only time I've golfed in spring training, believe it or not, was with Josh Beckett and Casey Gabbard. That's a long time ago. Yeah, it was. Uh, did I do another one? Yeah, no, I think that was it. Maybe I played a couple times with Beckett. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Beckett was always like, yeah, he always had a thing about when you line up for a putt, saying, "Hey, you know, do you have a spootinator? You ever heard this spootinator thing? No. The spootinator was the the, the muscle that connects the heart to your balls. <laughs> I like that. It's kind of good. That sounds, right? like, a, that sounds like a Joshism. <laughs> it is. But you must have good. I mean, you must have your favorite spring trainings. Your favorite spring training stories, your favorite, or maybe it's just mundane for you. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I could I could bring up the 2012 spring training, and you could probably rattle off like ten stories right there. But that was an adventure, yeah. The Bob the Bobby V spring training that was yeah. an adventure. <laughs> yeah, there was a story every day that came out of that 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 camp. That wasn't a good, not a lot of positivity there either. Did you know? Did you know that? When you came in, this is, a, I guess, my own curiosity. When you get to 2012, obviously the chaos of 2011, and for you, you were, were becoming a starter. But when they get everyone gets together and Bobby V speaks for the first time, was there a sense how chaotic it might be? Or was it like... We, if I remember correctly... There's a lot of conversations, you know, m- between between the players amongst ourselves about the moment he got hired. You know, we're exchanging all these text messages like, "What are what are we doing?" Like, of all the people that we could have hired, like this is what we're doing. Because at that time, Bobby was he hadn't managed in a while, and he was mainly known for being like kind of the outspoken hot take guy on Baseball Tonight. Uh, he'd been doing that for a while, you know, and his his um his opinions and, and uh, stuff he talked about on there was not always like, didn't always make a ton of sense to us as players. And then we hire him straight off of TV, which I know has worked for some guys, you know, Alex Kors is a pretty good example, but um, yeah, we were just kind of like, 
we were all kind of wowed by the hire. And then we were like, Hey guys, we got a job to do. Let's, let's go in with an open mind. Like that was kind of the vibe. Like we were all shocked. And then we talked about it and we're like, Hey, he's our manager. Let's figure it out. You know, give him a chance, go in with an open mind. And we did that. And, uh, it didn't take long to <laughs> take long for things that go side things that go sideways. I don't even think we were out of spring training before we had, you know. Oh, you had the so, listen. You had the the infield, the Mike Avila's infield pop up thing, right? Yeah, that was probably the worst one. Um, or the, that's the one that went public, I guess. Yeah, we had yeah. Pedroia getting yelling at Bobby. V. I think Pedroia pulled everybody off the field mid mid drill, if if I remember right. It, it's a that was it, not that wasn't good. No, it's it's amazing. And by, by the way, I like Mike Avilas. So the story comes yeah. out. I got along with him, and he was protecting everybody. But I'm like, did this happen? No, 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 no. And then he admitted later that yes, yes, yes. But yeah. the 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 thing about there's a couple things was I we had Andrew Bailey on the podcast the other day, and I said, you know, I didn't talk to Andrew in years, and I said, hey, you know what I remember. When you guys had to do the fitness test for 2012, and part of it was the vertical jump test, and he's and you ripped your lat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't even Bobby V's fault, you know, but somehow it probably got blamed on him. Yeah, but you know, but the, but the thing about Pedroia was, and the other part about this, and I'm not going to belabor this, but the other part I always remember is that. You know, when Pedroia stood in front of his locker and did the whole, this isn't how we do things in here, maybe you do it in Japan or whatever, um, yep. was, Daniel, that was Patriots Day. That was two weeks into the season. Two weeks in the season. Yeah. It was a rough start to the year for, for me personally and for the whole team. It was just, there were so many distractions. Um. Nobody was really comfortable, if I remember remember right. Mm. A lot of people in new roles, you know, almost a whole new coaching staff. Um, had some new players, you know, and I think it was just it was not like we had such good team chemistry in nine, ten, eleven, like just good leaders, good man. And I don't know, not that we didn't have the leaders. I don't know. Mike Lowell left, you know, or I think in after ten, so he wasn't there. Pat, no, Pat was gone, but you also have to remember there was there was lingering chaos from the year before, up yeah. you know, stories and 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 all that. I mean, it, it was it was I I I said this. It was it was because it came up when people were talking recently about Belichick leaving about you know what do you do? Do you hire someone who's similar or or completely different? And they went 180 degrees from Francona. Like Francona's way, to me, it was like, okay, yeah, you tweak some of the things that had Francona had done, but that's what had got to you at that point. And everything was, I mean, Bobby would bristle so much at when we would just ask him, say, hey, are you, are you planning on giving the lineup or letting guys know if they're going to play the night before, which I thought was a good idea. And it's like, stop asking that. Like, we don't need to do that. Like, okay. It seems like a good idea, you know, so. I, I remember one particular game, it was early too, um, where he came to the ballpark at like 4.45 for a 7 o'clock game, posted the lineup at 5.15. Yeah. 
yeah. guys were not, not happy about that. Uh, was that in Oakland? It's a good question. I don't remember where it was. Yeah. It was early, though, because I was only up for the first basically two months. So it was sometime in that first couple months. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, there's a whole – if there was only a book that could uh, have more descriptions about what happened. Um uh, not yeah. that we're going to get into that. I don't know what we're going to get into. But I, it was top of mind. It, it, it reminded me. And honestly, I wasn't even going to talk about 2012, but the spring training thing, I'll never go through a spring training like that ever again. Um, but part of that was you going from a reliever to starter, and this is where I'm going to help, help you educate young minds. I don't know how many – I am tr- I was trying to think of how many pitchers are making that move. Some will. But usually, like they usually they go have guys go in and they say we're gonna start you as a starter because it's always easy to go from starter reliever in case we move you. Um, what I mean, what is that like? Like, what is what it, what it, is that like in terms of when you say, okay, I'm gonna make this jump in the major leagues? Um, and is that true? Is it is is or is that a it's a wives' tale of? Oh, it's all easier to go from from getting starters innings in spring training to become a reliever than the other way around. Yeah, I think that where I went wrong was we just we just tried to change too many things. Like I had to start, I, I felt like I had to start like pitching like a starter. Um, where this is kind of before the era that you see now, where you know if you throw upper nineties with one wipeout off speed pitch. And you throw enough strikes, like just go do that for, you know, 90 to 100 pitches and see where it takes you. You know, that's the kind of the Carlos Rodon model. Um, and you can do it and be really successful and valuable and make a lot of money. Um, this was kind of before that, like, you know, um, even the the power guys, even your your Josh Beckett's, your CC Sabathia is like, like those guys had great stuff. They've mid nineties, but they pitched, you know, they, they commanded, you know, all parts of the zone. They threw three or four pitches. So I think if I was ever going to have any success starting in the big leagues, it was probably as the, the real simple version, just cause that's, that's what my command level's at. You know, it was going to be, Hey, power guys, you know, power, power sinker, power slider, go get them go throw 90 pitches and see where it takes you. I think I would have been a lot better if I just simplified what did you, it to what that. Did you, I'm trying to remember. Did you try to do a change-up or what What did you try to add? I was trying to throw more change-ups. I was trying to have like a – we had I had a new pitching coach that year and he was Bob like McClure, your delivery. Right? Yeah. yeah, and Bob was great. I really like Bob. But he didn't know me that well. You know, he didn't know my, my history. I'd had command issues in the minors too. And, you know, we're trying to like, he's like, you can pitch at 91, 92, then reach back for that 96, 97, you need it. Like throttling my fastball was never something I was able to do. You know, it was almost like using two different deliveries. I just, it is what it is. My body doesn't, doesn't work that way. So I was trying to do like a lot of things that some high level big league pitchers can do. And I just wasn't one of them. You know, I, I threw hard and I could make the ball move. And I, you know, and when I kept it simple, I, I throw enough strikes to, to get outs. And that's what made me successful, you know, as a setup guy for those three years. And I think if I had just taken that mentality to the, to the rotation and just attack guys with my two best pitches, 
you know, may not have been a, a great starter, but I think it could have been pretty good. But we, I just, we overcomplicated it. We're trying to make delivery changes and grip changes and stride change. Like it was just too many changes at once. And uh, I, remember, um, I remember, I think it kind of, no, go ahead. Go it ahead. just took away from my natural, just took away from my natural athletic ability and, you know, um, kind of the same thing I went through this past year was just you got too mechanical and too analytical and overthinking you know the movement of my body and you know ended up spending seven years trying to figure it out I remember being at Hammond Stadium it was like it wasn't an even official game and I think you were pitching and and everything it's here's a different conversation but everything is about was radar gun readings like, we want to make sure, hey, Daniel Bart's still throwing 99, right? Oh, wait, wait, 94 on March 5th? What's going on? What's happening? What's wrong with him? And 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 meanwhile, conversely, I the next year, a guy named Alan Webster shows up, and he's throwing 99. It was like the storyline for three weeks. How, how, like, 99? Oh, my goodness, it's such a big thing. But I think that looking back, Daniel, number one, the radar gun readings, this is why they shut it off sometimes in the first few games, I think. Um, they don't want people obsessing yeah. over it. And also, is it more like you have so many more machines, for lack of a better term, to measure effectiveness of pitching than just velocity? Then to think back about yeah. what that was and how simplistic it was, it, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, but a lot of people haven't moved past it. You know, it's still kind of the baseline measuring tool um, for whether a guy's healthy and whether he's throwing like himself. And I mean, it still works. But you're like, you're right. There's there's so many other ways to look at it. Um, and I, that's not my job as a player. I thought I'd leave that to the the professionals. <laughs> um, no, I, I try to understand myself. And, and if there's one thing I've learned is that when I keep things really simple stay out of my own way. Uh, that's, that's the best, best and best way for me to work. Do you ever, do you ever freak out about radar gun readings one way or the other? Like, Oh, I hit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Give me, give me, give me two good examples of it from both sides. I mean, yeah. So I don't know. Let's see. I mean, I I remember it being a really big deal for me. So I, I, I think when I retired, uh, for those two years, one big thing was I was always obsessed with, not obsessed with, it's the wrong word, My how hard I was throwing when I was playing or when I'm playing has always been attached to like my confidence level, right? I'm seeing the 98, the 99, an occasional 100, like who cares what it's doing? Like you're going to feel good about yourself, right? <laughs> and for me, like I've thrown hard, you know, since high school, like how hard I can throw has been kind of something that I've gotten a lot of praise for and, you know, a lot of my identity as a pitcher and therefore as a person in some ways um, are around throwing the baseball hard, right? Lighting up a radar gun. So when, when you see it dropping into that 93, 94, um, it's just, you're like something right. Something's not right. Um, And I think when I first, when I first came back with the Rockies, I tried not to pay attention to it. You know, I wanted to see certain things. I I was like, if I can pitch in the 
mid nineties, I think I can still get outs in the big leagues. And I kind of surprised myself. I think in spring training, I was touching some ninety sevens, ninety eights, and I was like, "Ooh, still got it." And I uh, learned from there. And I think my most proud moment from a physical standpoint was I hit like a hunt. I think it was in twenty one. I hit, you know touched uh, I think a hundred or hundred and one in a game Ooh. at thirty six. So. That that I was proud of, you know. Aside from anything else that's happened in the game, like that was kind of cool, just to be like, I'm pretty old now, but I can still do that. It's a good feeling. Oh, um, yeah. And then the and then the other the, on the flip side, this past year, you know, I was, I was pitching hurt most of the year. I had this elbow issue that was kind of lingering, um, and I was just having a hard time getting the really getting over 95. And for a good chunk of that first half of the season it was it was eating at me because i was like i'm not myself i'm not myself i'd go and have a one two three inning but i was pitching at 93 94 and i like wasn't happy with it because i'm like that's something's not right something's not right and um it took me a while to to get to where i could go have a, a one two three inning or quick inning throwing 94 and be like that was awesome that was good i can be happy with that it's still hard for me so i it's just I'm trying to get my ego, you know, shrink it down and not let that play such a big role. But I think it's part of how I'm wired, and you know, I, I'm more competitive with myself than I am with with others mm. for whatever reason. I compete. I like to compete against myself, past version of myself, trying to trying to one up myself in ways. I'm competitive with people too, but it's I'm probably more competitive with myself. So I think that's where that comes from. Well, it helps that you're good because if you don't want to be competitive against someone who's bad, so it's like you're being competitive against someone who's good. So like that's good. Yeah. And and so when you sure yeah, I mean I'm again that's I'm in in the most bizarre way I'm building you up again. There you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's funny because. The, the radar gun, I don't know if you, like, look back, you know, how you see it. Like, if that's another thing, right? Because I think it was our good friend Papelbon who once told me, this was a while ago, is like, why don't they, you know, why did they let the hitter see the radar gun readings? We don't see whatever. So. Just turn around. I, no, well, I mean, his point was the hitters are getting, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, I'm, <laughs> so the hitters are getting to see, like, how good the pitcher is. Um, but, you know, so that's basically his point. It was, so do you, so you turn around to look at the radar gun readings. I see. I've looked at, yeah, probably 80% of the pitches I've thrown in my career. I've really? Up. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of it, some of it is like, you, you, you do get like, especially if you throw, if you, if you put up a good number early in the inning, I see a 98 and I'm like, okay, we got it today. Um, and then sometimes I like, especially with my slider, um, I'm kind of looking to see what speed it's at. Like, okay, that one was 88 and he was out in front. I can take a little off it down to 85 and he's really going to be out front. Like, you know, things like that. Or like he was late on that fastball and I look up his 95. I'm like, okay, I didn't even, I didn't let that one eat. I still got a couple more miles in the tank. So now I know I can add to it things like that. Like you're actually using it to kind of gauge where you're at. And then there's the whole ego side of just like, how hard am I throwing today? 
Well, <laughs> but the date, they come back to like the here and the now. The dangerous thing, though, is again spring training, where you're in, you're in a major league, you're in a major league game, and in, in front of fans, in front of coaches, trying to make good first impressions. But and you're like, oh, wait a second, what was my fastball? Well, that's not good enough. I gotta, I gotta get going. You know, there must be that too. Yeah, there's. I mean, it affects everybody differently, but I think everybody's. Everybody wants to be. They have a certain number in mind. We're like, okay, this is where I should be in spring training, and this is where I need to be. You know, when I'm breaking camp. Hmm. And if you're not there, you can say all the things you want to the media, like um, I don't care about velo, whatever. Like you care. I. Everybody, I haven't met a pitcher that doesn't have an idea of where they should be, and when they're below that, they're a little concerned. Like it's just, you know, it's just you're either not moving well, you know, or you're or there's something fatigued or, or hurt. So none of which are good things. You know, I got a perfect, so, exa- I got a perfect example for you. When I bet Jonathan Papelbon a hundred bucks that he couldn't hit eighty five two weeks ago. Yeah, and and, and you go watch that video. You aren't going to find more max effort of any human being ever to throw a baseball than he did when he hit 77. He's probably still sore, too. <laughs> of course. Uh, all right. Well, we solved a lot of the world's problems, and we got the world excited. It's two of the, two of the things uh, we wanted to do today. So I appreciate you. I appreciate everything. And uh, and we could talk for hours. You know why? how I know that? Because we are going to talk for hours. <laughs> That's true. We already have. Yeah, we already have. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.